they're treating me different and all I've changed is my name. So I actually started pitching clients using this pen name that I had conjured up and lo and behold, there was instant respect as well. Same ideas, same copywriting work, same attitude, nothing was different except for the name. You are listening to Louder Than Words, the podcast inspiring creatives of all types by giving you a glimpse into the lives and creative process of the most remarkable people you know. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Louder Than Words, where we're providing a glimpse into the lives of some of the most innovative entrepreneurs, writers, designers, creators, painters, whatever they are, uh, in the hopes that they can inspire us to be more creative uh, in our day jobs every single day. My name is John Benini. I'm a conversion copywriter by trade. I have a website where I post about all things copy, um, from headlines to button text to emails to blogs to paragraphs to body text, all that really fun stuff. So please come find me and connect. I'm at www.johnbenini.co or on Twitter at Benini84. Today, I'm joined by James Chartrand, owner of Men With Pens, their web design and copywriting company, and also Damn Fine Words, which is a writing course for business owners. Uh, My my good friend Damian Farnworth of Copyblogger actually introduced me to James uh, by saying that she is a phenomenal writer, and he described her as being able to write the leather off a shoe. Uh, so I, th- I thought that was great, and that's that's high praise from such an accomplished writer for sure. Uh, so James, thanks so much for coming to hang out today. How are you? I'm good, and thanks for having me here. I'm really excited about this because I know you do a little bit of a different take on the usual podcast topics. So I'm looking forward to this one. Well, thanks for setting the standard really high. I appreciate that. Yeah, no kidding, eh? <laughs> so. So I have to admit, the first time that, that Damien introduced me to you, he, he also included a link in the email. And yep. it was to this article that was on Copyblogger, which, you know, uh, a blog we're all familiar with in the marketing space. So he sent me this link and uh, it was the, the headline was, was something about why James Chartrand wears women's underwear. And I was like, well, this is, this is strange. And um, so I went and read back the email before I continued reading because I was like, wait, 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 did he send me the right thing? You and had no clue, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I really didn't. I, I Obviously, I've heard of men with pens and, and, and the whole brand, and I've even you know read a lot of the stuff from there. And um, so I had to go back, and then I realized that he had written, she could write the leather off of a shoe. <laughs> and I guess I, you know, I just read the email quick, and when he said James, I assumed, you know, male, which, is, which was what most people probably assume. And so then I went back to the article and read this fascinating story. And I'm so excited to have you on here sharing it. Um, so, so you must get that a lot, right? I mean, you must, um, without spoiling the whole story here, because obviously we're going to to dig deep into this. You have a very unique brand, very unique positioning, and I think it says a lot about my oversight. Obviously, when I was like, oh, I thought I thought James James was was a man's name, and so obviously our listeners right now are listening. I just introduced James Chartrand, owner of Men with Pens, and yet you're very much a woman. Obviously, I so, am. <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit, without giving away the whole story, just a little bit uh, about your brand positioning and and who Men with Pens is and what you what you do. It's funny that you mentioned that you had no clue and glossed it over and whatever and then got surprised about the she thing because I I actually work with clients and some of them we've worked together for weeks 
and they have no clue either. And it's like, do you not go and look at my about page people before you give me money? One would think that you'd want to do that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You, you would assume. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, so tell us about Men With Pens. What, um, you guys are uh, uh, this boutique copywriting agency. So yeah. what, what kinds of people do you guys work with? And, you know, what's your specialty? Yeah, um, yeah, I've been in the copywriting field for almost a decade. Um, got an early start and I've been here a long time. Uh, I guess I'm known a little bit now as the old school traditionalist because a lot of my advice leans towards that stuff. Um, I work a lot with small business owners. I've realized that I do not like uh, large projects that last forever. I really prefer working with people where I can actually make a difference in their life, where my words make a difference, where my advice makes a difference, where my marketing strategies make a difference. That really rocks my boat. We uh, do website design. We've, we're phasing that out. There's so many you know, great tools and resources out there now. So we're starting to phase that out and focus on copywriting only. I started Damn Fine Words, um, what is it now, four or five years ago? And that's a writing course for business owners because so many people were asking, well, how do you write the way you write? How do you do this? How, 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 how? And back then there wasn't any information on how. It was just write a good call to action. Well, how? Write a good blog post. Well, how? So I created the course for that. And I'm very uh, grateful for it. I meet some awesome people in there who have awesome businesses. We've had ambulance drivers and painters and clowns and blacksmiths. It's fantastic. So, yeah. That's, that's, that's a great gig. And, um, you know, you've had a lot of success as a copywriter, you know, not only with your brand, but obviously you're a name that's, that's well known and well seen in places like Copyblogger and around the web. Yeah. Um, but, it wasn't always this easy, correct? Like you, you found yourself in this pretty tough place, facing some pretty hard decisions. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you sort of, you know, made this transition to become a cop- uh, to becoming a copywriter. So, yeah. could you describe sort of that period in your life that you do such a good job uh, vividly describing in that blog post for Copyblogger? Yeah, that copy blogger post is really worth reading and it goes into much more detail than I can on this interview. But the short end of it is um, I was a single mom with two kids um, and I live in a tourist area. You know, we depend very heavily on tourists to supply us with our income throughout the year. And of course, since I'm in Canada, the year is shut down to, you know, a period of four months in the summer. The rest of the time it's winter, it's freezing. Nobody comes to visit here except for the skiers. Um So I was out of a job and I had reached the end of my money and somebody said, you know, well, why don't you check online? I think I've seen some ads that, uh, you know, maybe they pay money for writing. And I did. And it was true. They paid a dollar for 500 words. And I thought (laughs) I'd hit the jackpot. That's that to me, that was fantastic that someone would pay me for that. And, I, you know, people know it today as a content mill. And I got into that and I loved it because the first week I made eight bucks. I could buy bread and milk and, you know, the occasional pack of smokes. Um, and from there, I realized pretty quickly, you can't make a living doing this. You've got to get wise and get smart. So I built up a stable of writers. I had 30 writers underneath me. To get those writers, I needed to hire writers Um, But I didn't want to get involved in the industry um, at that level of saying, 
Yeah, I didn't want to say that I was a writer hiring other writers. It's a very catty industry when you're low down on the pay scale. People, um, you know, take care of themselves first. They're survivalists. There's a lot of backstabbing. There's a lot of politics. It can get nasty. And I thought, well, how am I going to get respect? Well, clients at that time were male. They were entrepreneurs with businesses. Well, okay, I'm just going to use a pen name and I'm going to take this male pen name because that is most representative of the type of client hiring women writers at Content Mills. Um, instant respect for that. And I thought, this is interesting. They're treating me different and all I've changed is my name. So I actually started pitching clients using this pen name that I had conjured up. And lo and behold, there was instant respect as well. Same ideas, same copywriting work, same attitude, nothing was different except for the name. And I figured, you know, why fight it? I could sit there and struggle and throw my toys around and, and cry sexism, or I could just, you know, totally see how far I can take this thing and make a living out of it. So I did, and that's where Men With Pens comes from. That's a, that was a long story. I apologize. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> no, that, that's why we have you here, and it's a fascinating one at that. Um, but also leading up to that, yep. you had some, you know, before you made this transition and, and had the, yep. pen, the pen name of James Chartrand, you, had, you experienced some pretty crappy things in this industry. You alluded to it a little bit by, oh, by you yeah. know, the catty things, but people yeah. would actually use your status as a single mother against you, correct? Like yes. in, in yeah. some of in landing gigs. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a client I used to have. Um, I'll never forget what he said because he was a good client and I appreciated him and his work. Um, and one day he said, you know, you should really be thankful that you have this and that I can pay you. You know, I know you have two kids hanging off your leg. And it was like, what? I'd never mentioned my kids to him, really. Um, you know, I, I had other clients who said something like, well, you're working off the kitchen table, so just be thankful for what you can get here. Um, if I presented an idea, it was often, yeah, well, we'll think about that. We, we have another idea in mind. And when it became James, it was, oh, yes, that sounds like a fantastic idea. We're going to have to try that out. So it's crappy to live in that situation where you're not getting respect, you're not getting heard, you're getting put down for being a single mom. Um, and, you know, just changing your name, the same skill set, the same qualities makes a difference. It, it is crappy. It is crappy. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're a great writer, uh, educated, great skills. You, you know, you talked about how you were very fast on the turnaround. You hustled. Yeah. And, you know, again, before that switch, you still, you found it very hard to land gigs yeah. and, and land jobs. Yeah. And, and even this even affected, obviously, your pay rate too, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, yeah, you hit a certain level as a woman where it was a plateau. I shouldn't say that. I hit a certain level uh, of a plateau. And it was stuck there. No matter what I did, no matter what I tried, it was really stuck there. And when I changed names, it was like money was falling from the sky. Nobody questioned my rates. Nobody tried to bargain me down. Nobody negotiated. It, when I was a woman, it was always about getting the bottom price. It was always a question of negotiating downwards. No matter how much I stuck to my guns, I would, lower, I would have to lower my price or lose the client. When I took on the male name, 
there was none of that anymore. It was quite the opposite. You know, people were almost throwing money at me. And there was never any question of negotiation. It was, that's your rate, fantastic, send me the invoice. Nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. And talk about... Talk about what it, making that decision, actually making that decision, because people in creative positions and, and you know, to a certain extent, mostly writers, um, we love the byline, you know, the, you know, having your name in, and granted, in a lot of copywriting work, your name isn't attached to it because you're doing it for the client. But Correct. when you were making this decision, was it tough to let go of? you know, my name, this is, this is now going to be attributed to this male pseudonym was, can you talk about what went into that decision? It it wasn't even really that much of a decision at the time. It was just like, wow, this works totally awesome. Let's go for it. It's, it never bothered me. It just never bothered me. I come from Quebec too, where uh, there is a lot of bias. There is a lot of sexism that happens. It's familiar to me. We have something called languageism, where you get a different treatment if you're French versus whether you're English. Um, So it's not familiar to me and it wasn't surprising to me. And it didn't bother me, I guess, because I was used to that kind of separation treatment. Um, It's more of a problem now. I find that now it's been so long. I've grown so much. I'm at a different phase in my life. Now I find the whole name thing a big deal. It kind of weighs on me and I wish I could start to shed it in a way that made business sense. That's interesting because at this point you, you could get away with doing anything. I mean, because one would hope so (laughs) because of who men with pens is. Um, and you know, which, which doesn't make it any more right, obviously. Um, and, and, and talk about, and, and, and I know you, you got into this a little bit, but talk about more of those, these evolutions that took place. Once you became James Chartrand, all of a sudden, you know, people were calling you sir in emails and, you know, you were seeing a certain level of respect. I know you said this, that you just didn't get prior to having the pen name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, it, it's it's an interesting feeling to suddenly have that when you've been working to get it for so long, and you're so puzzled at why no one is listening to you. It's an interesting feeling to suddenly have that happen. You are suddenly heard. You are suddenly respected. Um, yeah, it's an interesting feeling, and, and the phases from there. I mean. You, you you step into being James, which is no different than being who I am right now. I am the same person. You cannot pretend to be someone for that long so well um, without it being an integral part of you. I just stepped into it and, and just was myself all the time. I was myself before. I was myself after. It's And it's easy to become naive to these sorts of things uh, from the standpoint of other people because, you know, especially things like pricing, that's very personal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. pricing is very personal between the vendor and the, and the organization um, mm-hmm. in, in business to business. So, it, you know, even prior to our conversation today, you know, many people might be thinking, I didn't know that there was this much of a price discrepancy, um, you know, between a male vendor or a female vendor, you know, that they might not think that that would have made a difference. What does this sort of thing say about... You know, I don't want to get into these huge proclamations and politics, but right. just, just just as our culture, um, you know, of business in general, you know, what did you sort of learn about just, you know, people, this experience, I guess, going through this experience? You know what? I learned that 
the people who will cheer you on will cheer you on gently and supportively, and the people who hate you will hate you most viciously, most viciously. Um, and the people who hate on you will eat up everything in your world. They take a lot of space and a lot of energy. That was something surprising to me that I hadn't realized about people. Um, because there was a lot of negative commentary when my story broke, a lot of people felt um, betrayed. Uh, they felt that I had, um, you know, done something wrong. Um, many more felt that I had done something very right. But the ones who were upset with me got heard a lot more than, than the ones that weren't. The, um, boy, oh boy, remembering back how vicious it was, it was just wild. The, um, the other thing I learned is that for all we think that we've come so far in the world, you know, it's 2015, um, we should be beyond all this kind of gender bias, sexism, language bias, bias in any way. I'm sorry, it still exists. It still exists. we got a long way to go. The comments that I got, some of the emails that I got were from people like male nurses who said, thank you so much. You completely understand what it's like to live me, my life now. They have to do this every day. And they live with bias all the time that a nurse is a woman. Um, they, they felt heard and appreciated. So my story in the copywriting world affected them in the medical world. I got a lot of people from foreign countries, all kinds of foreign countries, who said, yeah, um, we can't get jobs either because somebody sees our last name and that's it, we're done. I got emails from people in, in my country and in the United States saying, yeah, I just happen to have a foreign name and everyone thinks I'm, I'm some nasty terrorist. You know, it's the biases are there and the biases are part of our culture, unfortunately. It's interesting, too, because, um, you know, my spouse works at a car dealership and he says there's a, a woman car, car salesman car sales representative there you go um and she's frustrated because you know not everyone wants to deal with her they would prefer to deal with the man it's 2015 you're buying a car doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman selling it to you and yet she is frustrated today that some customers will ask for a male vendor instead yeah it's 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 like stories like yours that sort of pull back the iron curtain on yeah a lot of these things that still still very much take place in the, in the workforce and, yeah. you know, in, in a variety of industries. Uh, so, you know, you, you make this switch, you know, talk about the ascension of men with pens. Um, you know, when you made this switch to James Chartrand, how quickly did this all sort of, you know, uh, materialize into this, you know, this agency now that, you know, many, many people um, know of that, that does great quality work? Um, I came online, I guess, at about 2006, early 2006. By the end of the year, I'd switched my name. Uh, so that was a very fast progression. It didn't take me long to figure out that the male name was working. Uh, so 2007, 2008, and the news broke in 2009. So it was just a very short two years to go from no one to a very big deal. Um, I would say the height, uh, 2008 was a really good year. There was a lot moving and shaking then. I was known as a very popular blogger, lots of top 10 blog awards, um, 
lot of fame going on there. Um, is it because I had a male name? Who knows? Is it because I'm a great writer? Who knows? Is it because people thought my brand was funny or cute or endearing or appealing? Who knows? Who knows? I'd like to think it's because um, it's really great writing. Um, so there you go. Yeah. And you were mentioned. You were talking about a lot of that internet fame you were you were experiencing at that time. Yeah. You know, you were you were in places like you know Michael Stelzner, founder of Social Media Examiner, yes. talking about top ten blogs for writers on the internet. Yes. And you're mentioned as one of them. Yeah. You know, uh, I think if- that was the first kickstart of being famous um, because he picked me up in early 2007, and things just exploded from there. Yeah, and they, and obviously they've become one of the biggest platforms in marketing. Yeah. And yeah. you know what what was it like for you to see, you know, you know, and I know we talked about this, but to see this male pseudonym, you know, gather fame like this, were, were you were you sort of being torn ethically, being like, is you know, th- this isn't me, is this right? And and then also was there a, a f- like this feeling of uh, I wish I wish this this were my real name. I wish people could just accept this and and it was me. It was my real name who was on these lists and not this male pseudonym. Like, what kinds of feelings were going through your head? Were you able to enjoy all of that fame? I guess. Oh, I loved it. Oh, I just <laughs> loved it. <laughs> um, I love a good stage. I love attention. So that all works very well. Um, it, I never felt like I wasn't being me. That was me. I was just you know, James by another name at night and James by the James name during the day. It it was me the whole time. So I never felt like I was being someone that I'm not. I didn't feel uncomfortable in my own skin. I was in my own skin every single day. Um, my biggest concerns, you know, like, and I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong because my job was to produce quality content that got results for business owners. And I delivered on that every single time. There was nothing, nothing, nothing um, wrong about that. And so I just happened to call myself a different name, happened to, you know, personify my, a different gender a little bit. Um, but I don't think that was wrong. I think that was interesting because it said a lot about um, why people hired me in the first place. Um, yeah. Yeah, success success knows no gender, right? I mean, it's yeah. a business results for people no matter who creates it. Uh, yeah. is- and, and yet it does because if you look around at the top copywriters today, how many men are there versus women? Sure. I know three off the top of my – no, maybe two off the top of my head that are, are doing really well in this industry. Um, and I'm not including myself in that, by the way. Um, but there are a lot more men still dominating this industry. For all we'd like to think that they aren't, they are. And, and it's, they're no smarter, they're no better, they're, they're doing the same darn work we are. So why? Are there still a lot of women being, um, you know, sort of going through what you went through? Either ones that you know of or, or just, you know, um, you know from, from your you know, experience, like, do, you, do you think that there's a lot of people going through what you did? Probably. I, uh, probably. I can't see that things have changed so much. Yeah. And, um, you know, describe like what made you finally come to the point where you sort of, you know, wrote this post for Copyblogger and, yeah. you know, pulled back the curtain and, and, and it was a 
great piece. And like you said, it, it drew, you know, negative feedback. It drew a yep. ton of positive feedback. Um, what finally brought you to this place where you wanted to share this story? Actually, I had a, a business partner at the time uh, who wasn't much of a partner and who decided that she was going to start to leak the story of who I was. I guess she felt far more uncomfortable with the situation than I did, which was fine. That is her prerogative. Um, but, you know, it was my story to tell and no one else was going to do it for me. And if that story was going to come out, it was going to come out my way on my terms. And a while back, I had had a phone call with Brian Clark of Coffee Blogger. And he had said, if you ever want to tell your story, you let me know. So when it did come time to tell the story, I thought, what is the biggest freaking microphone I can find to tell that story? And at the time, it was Coffee Blogger. They dominated the internet. Um, so I approached Brian. I said, okay, it's time. Run this post. And he did. And boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they're still, you know, one of yeah. the, uh, the the top, obviously, platforms and microphones on the web. Yeah. Um, you know, and it did well. And, um, you know, did that affect, you know, negative or positive? Did that affect business at all? I'm, I made a very, very conscious decision, one of the most conscious decisions I've ever made, that this would not affect business. This was going to be a media thing. It was going to happen. It was going to be loud. And I would deal with that while dealing with business, which was a completely different thing. So everything I did every day was business as usual. My clients didn't need to know if they saw the post. I would answer their questions. I didn't need to talk about it. Business as usual. And many of my clients had no clue that the world was exploding. They were like, well, nothing changed. Your delivery was awesome. You sounded calm and collected. So fantastic. Because at the end of all this media thing, when the traffic died down and the news died down, I still had to have something to come back to. And my business is the most important thing in my life, really. Um, so it was very, very consciously decided to take care of that and in the best way that I could. And I, I want to ask you some questions about writing, because obviously, like Damien said, <laughs> you can write the leather off of a shoe. Um, Thank you. And, and because this is a podcast that's listened to by many other writers and, and, and other creatives in general, yep. um, we have a tendency to want to know, you know, you know, the insides of how everyone else works. What does your desk space look like? What hacks do you have? What, what do you, for productivity, what, what tips do you have? So could you describe sort of your process for producing great work? So, um, you know, when you're actually sitting down, whether it's to pen a blog post or to do some to copy work for a client, what is your process for producing great work? Do you want a good day or a bad day? <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes they're one and the same, right? Um, yeah, give us a little bit of both. You know, this way it'll humanize the process a little bit. Uh, typically speaking, I wake up at about 6, 5.30 in the morning uh, on my own, no alarm clocks, thank you very much. Um, and I have some coffee, I read my email, I do not write a bloody thing. I have learned that <clears throat> writing before a certain time of the day is just a very bad idea. So I ease myself into it. Once I've gotten through my email, I get my kid off to school. That's great. <clears throat> And then I sit down and I think about what I'm going to work on today. And I try to make it small and specific. What am I going to work on now when I get up from this sofa? 
And I think about that enough that the task is really clarified in my mind. If I come to my desk with no specific task in mind, I'm a mess, my whole day is shot, forget it. I won't be able to write a thing. If I know exactly what I'm going to do, I will be able to come to my desk and do it. So I have a sit and I think about that, last about half an hour. Um, there are little episodes of uh, Candy Crush involved in that half an hour of waiting. Of course. Um, go to the bathroom, have a smoke, sit down, write. And I will write pretty, pretty straight on until about uh, 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and that's usually the point where I lift my head and realize I haven't gone to the washroom in four hours. I haven't eaten a thing. Um, I really could use a glass of water. You know, it's, it's like you, you go into the zone and you come out of it wondering what happened to the world while you were gone. <laughs> it's funny, too, how, 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 how writers and, and are, are such creatures of habit because we've talked to people on this very podcast that they write – you know, they write uh, two hours worth of, of, of writing before they even have breakfast because they find that that's how they're most productive. And then, you know, somebody like you obviously says that waking up and writing will not produce yeah. your best work. So it's, it's, it's funny how we all have our own. We um, have a little pattern. We yeah. have a little routine. That, and, you know, if, it, if my routine gets disturbed, I have to start it all over. I feel so disoriented. You know, my whole day could be shot because I got a phone call during my thinking time or when I came to sit down, somebody knocked at the door. You're just shot. You know, you got to start the routine back over and get back on track. And so where do you like where do you gather inspiration from? Because I find as a writer myself, I, I constantly need to read things or, or you know, I have a, a, an embarrassing collection of books right now on my <laughs> side table. Um and 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 watching things to sort of to sort of reboot the system. So where do you gather inspiration from? I I read as much as you do, and I actually have a room called the library, and it is a library. So don't feel bad. Um, I, but I, I don't get inspiration from reading. I get my inspiration from the real world. Um, if I have to go down on Main Street um, for a meeting, I might notice a sign. Or if I'm at Walmart and I get shitty customer service, well, that's a blog post. Um, if I have a meeting with a business owner and, you know, I come up with 40 great ideas on how to improve his business, well, that might become an ebook. Everything that I do is very real world because at the end of the day, I'm dealing with real world, real world people, business owners who do have that sign on Main Street, who do have that meeting in the office, who do, um, you know, have businesses that aren't just online, but they're brick and mortar as well. So are there any, like, talk about, are there any writing tools, apps, things that you use on the web or even, you know, is, is, uh, is it as simple I'm, as a notebook and a pen? I'm so old school, eh? Like, I use Word. I love Word. And I have some Post-it notes. I'm just starting to learn how to use Evernote. It's good, but it's a lot of work to learn how to use it. And my poor little brain just wants to put everything on a big Word document and live with that. So I have no tools. I have no tricks. I have no great apps. I have a wonderful inbox which I can manage like a fiend, but that's about it. I have I post-it notes all over the house, though, too. So, you know, surely there's some people listening right now who, you know, would love this, like, 
type of success that you've had as a copywriter. You know, whether they're in a similar situation that you had or whether they're completely different and they just want, you know, to be successful and have a, a brand such as Men With Pens or or just to make it on their own and, and be able to do work that they believe in. You know, yeah. what would you tell these people? How can they become better writers? How can they sort of master um, or work to master the art of copywriting? Oh, man. You know, Early on, I read a lot. I would decide on a topic. I, today, I'm going to research how to give good customer service. And I would read an awful lot on that. And I would learn it for myself because I was interested in that. And then I would take it and turn that into good copy. Um, so I would say read a lot on the things that interest you. And don't give too much attention to what other people are interested in. It's very easy to get caught up in what everyone else is doing and what everyone else thinks is really hot. You can get a lot of good hot inspiration from, you know, really basic topics that you're interested in. How to learn how to be a good writer? Practice, 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 practice. Try different things. You've got nothing to lose, especially if you're starting out. And once you make it and you're famous, you've got nothing to lose because you're famous. So it never matters. Everything you do in writing is always just a big experiment to see where you can take things. And you're not going to be good out of the gate. And you're not going to be good in five years. And you're not going to be good in 10 years. You're never going to be as good as you want to be. You will never reach that point where you said, that's it. I, I am done. I know everything there is to know about copywriting. I am the schniz. This will never happen. So your entire career in copywriting is going to be one big experiment. What works? What doesn't? Try this. Try that. Uh, throw things on your own website see how they convert for you you know you can even offer to clients hey I've got an idea here's what you asked me for but how about you try this as well maybe it'll work maybe it won't that's how I've gotten better is just practice practice trial and experiment just figuring out by what the feedback of the people is does this blog post work really well with them did they really like this ebook does that call to action work more than the other one it's all been a big experiment really yeah experimentation is is probably our most valuable tool as yeah. marketers as writers really anything and we have yeah. more than ever the tools uh, that enable us to to measure these things now which 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 makes us all the more powerful if we put you know if we put in that effort yeah so what are some good resources that you'd recommend for people to leave off uh, for writing whether it's blogs to check out any books any recommend recommendations you have for resources uh, for other writers Oh, I recommend Damn Fine Words. Can I do that? <laughs> Absolutely, you can. Yeah. I, th I think it's such a brilliant course. I'm so proud of it. You know, I know it's mine, but I've really seen that it does help people and it makes a big difference in how they view the world and how they view writing. Um, so I do recommend that people check that out, damnfinewords.com. Um, I have a book by Arlene Dickinson. And I don't know if it's still in print. I imagine there's got to be copies somewhere because it's not that old. It's only a couple of years old. It's called Persuasion. And it's a really interesting read that helps writers who feel uncomfortable about marketing. And I know a lot of writers do. It really helps put a good perspective on things and makes you feel more comfortable with marketing what you actually sell. 
um, because it is tough when you're a writer. You're really good at writing. You're not going to be so good at other things, and marketing is usually the area that takes a hit. So Arlene Dickinson's Persuasion was a really good read that shows, you know, it's okay to be a marketer, and there are gentle ways to do it that, you know, building trust, creating bonds, uh, relationships, that kind of stuff, but not the usual advice that we hear. This is real-world advice, and I appreciated it. Um, and I recommend for some good fiction, you should check out Anne Bishop's books because her writing is phenomenal in terms of characterization and bringing a world to life. And if you read a lot of fiction, you will learn how to turn your words into technicolor worlds that people can fall into. And I've found that's been really, really, really useful for me as a copywriter. We need to make sure people can see things clearly, can almost taste them and smell them. So learning to write good fiction will wear off into good copywriting. Well, I've just added a few things to my reading list, so thank you there for you that. There you go. You are welcome. <laughs> James, this has, been, this has been so much fun. Uh, ever since Damien shared that blog article with me, I've always been fascinated by you and your story and your work, and I think you're a tremendously, ridiculously good writer. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story and hanging out with us for a little bit. Totally my pleasure, and it's been really good to connect with you as well because I can throw admiration your way as much as you can throw at mine, you know, so... <laughs> Oh, we'll take it, yeah. <laughs> but th- th- this is about you, so th- thanks again for coming on. Um, that's James Chartrand, everybody. Check her out, Men With Pens, and also Damn Fine Words, as she said, uh, a writing course uh, for business, which we could all use, obviously, a little more mastering in. So definitely check that out. Um, I'm John Benini. This has been Louder Than Words. Thank you for checking us out today. If you like today's episode, be sure to like us, subscribe, share with your friends, and all that good stuff. And be sure to check in next time. We'll be back very soon with more special guests. See you next time, everybody. So long. Thank you.